uh, kind of where we're at and what we... Uh, <clears throat> this is the final sermon that we have on this series on Elijah. I hope you've enjoyed this series. This has become one of my favorite series that I've done in quite some time. I've really enjoyed this. By the way, this would be an amazing time to silence your phone. Can I just say that? So grab your Bibles, silence your phone, and turn to the book of 1 Kings, okay? That'd be great. Someone's phone's going to go off. I'm just telling you, it's going to happen, and we'll all look at you with condemnation and judgment. All right. <laughs> not judgment, not judgment, no. Condemnation, yes. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> So here's my last message in this series, and then next week we're going to do some Christmas stuff, which I'm looking forward to. The title of this message, as you can see on the screen, is this, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? It's a question that God asked Elijah twice in this passage, and I think it's a good question, maybe for some of us, to allow the Holy Spirit to ask us today. Elijah's been through some good times in this series, and he's been through some bad times. How many of you would agree? He's had his life threatened. Not good. He called fire down from heaven. That's good. Okay. He outran a chariot. That's pretty good. Uh, then he wanted to die. Not good. So very up and down, Elijah has been. And, and I really love this about the Bible, is that it's healthy for us to see the humanity of some of these Bible heroes. Because a lot of times we think, wow, they did nothing wrong. They never had any issues. And boy, how many of you know God uses people with issues? If you don't believe that, look on the stage, okay? Because I'm telling you, I got a lot of them. And, and so God uses people who have their ups and downs. And we're going to end this message, or this series, with a message where Elijah's kind of down. And God has a way of trying to bring us up in the midst of all that. So if you're able to, I want to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word as we look at this together. We're in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 8. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. In fact, I'm going to read, I think, the last verse that we read last week, and then we're going to finish things out. You ready? If you're ready, say amen. If you're not ready, say amen. I heard that. All right. Starting in verse 8. Here we go. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went to a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, 
came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And then anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. Don't name your kids these names. From Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. I think the Lord would ask this question today. What are you doing here? So Lord, speak to us with your word, I pray. Your, Your word is always powerful, always powerful. So now, Lord, I ask you that it would do what it is supposed to do in every life and every heart under the sound of my voice today. And God, I'll thank you for what you do. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. What are you doing here? Now, again, I think it would be healthy to kind of do a little bit of a review Okay, we started this series about six Sundays, seven Sundays ago, and there were some major moments that took place in Elijah's life. And let's just run down those for a little bit. Uh, first of all, we remember that he, he prophesied that there would be a three-year drought to take place in the land. And that prophecy came true, by the way. I don't even know if you're a prophet, your prophecy should come true. Amen? Okay, just remember that around election time. (laughs) That was awesome. All right. Secondly, he was fed by ravens, and he had his own water supply. So... We joked around, he kind of had his own personal DoorDash for a little while there while things were kind of going rough in the land. Thirdly, he, he was used to miraculously provide for a widow and her son. Do you remember that story? The widow was picking up sticks to gather together to start a fire to make the last meal that she and her son would have. And then they planned to die. And, and God used Elijah that way to provide and keep the family alive. Next, God used Elijah to bring life back to the son of the widow who had died after this miracle, and God brought him back to life. Incredible story, right? This is going pretty well so far, would you say? Next, next, he took on hundreds of false prophets, and he won. They were calling upon their god, Baal, remember, to bring fire down from heaven. Didn't work. 
Elijah said, tell you what, while you're at it, pour tons of water over my sacrifice. We're going to call down fire. and The rest is history. And he had them all slaughtered right there. After that, we remember the story about the cloud the size of a man's hand where God broke the drought that was on the land. And, and he, once again, we see Elijah being instrumental in that. And then that's where we find as that rainstorm is coming, the first bit of rain, precipitation, or anything in the land for over three years, he outruns a chariot miraculously, doing something he's never done before. And then after that, we pick up where we left off last week where he was kind of depressed. He was underneath that, what we call the broom tree, right? And he was once again miraculously fed by the Lord and the meal was enough to sustain him to take a 40-day journey, which brings him to the mountain of God, which also brings him... I love you people. which also brings him to the cave, this cave. And Elijah is not like having a, a little praise session in that cave, is he? He's not singing his favorite songs. He's not, he's not having a, a God time. Look what he says starting in verse 10. Again, he says this to God after he, God and you're going to see this a few times, by the way. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. By the way, God already knew that. Can I just remind you of that? Okay. God knows what you're doing. God knows what you're doing. But let's keep going. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. By the way, before we advance that slide, if you are convinced that you are the only person going through what you're going through, the devil has won a bit of a victory in your life. To isolate you and consider you singled out amongst many. That is a trick of the enemy. That was free. Let's keep going. Is that it? Okay, good. Um, so he says this. Okay, this, this, is not, this is not a moment of victory, is it? No. I'm the only one left. I feel bad. I don't feel good. And now they are trying to kill me too. I mean, wow. Wow. After all of these positive things, these powerful things that have taken place in Elijah's life... Now he finds himself in a cave, alone, isolated, withdrawn, convinced he's the only one left, convinced that his life is threatened, convinced that he has to linger in this cave. And I have met a lot of people who have had some great things happen in their lives. We've seen God heal. We've seen God deliver. We've seen God answer our prayers. We've seen God do some amazing things. But for some reason, we find ourselves in a cave, not where God wants us to be. Let me say this again. We find ourselves at a place spiritually, emotionally, mentally, maybe even physically at a place that God does not want 
us to be. The caves. What do we do about the caves? When we find ourselves in the caves, what do we do when we find ourselves at a place where we really shouldn't be? Emotionally. God's answered your prayer, but you're still depressed. You just sat through a great worship service, giving God praise, singing gratitude, but you're not really grateful. (laughs) You find yourself, you could quote the verses. In fact, if somebody came to you and said some of the stuff that you're saying, you would have the answers from the scriptures ready for them, but you won't apply them to you. Cave. What do you do when you're in the cave? I want to give you four questions I think we should ask ourselves when we find ourselves in the spiritual caves of our lives. Here's the first one. You ready? What has my attention? What has my attention? What's occupying space in my mind? I should ask that question again. What or who is occupying space in my mind? See, because I have met and dealt with a lot of people who will call themselves spirit-filled believers, who will allow something or someone to constantly occupy space in their head. Starting in verse 11, take a look at this. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Which, by the way, wow, okay? Let's not be so quick to read that that we don't get the wow factor here, okay? But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Again, whoa. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a mouth, I'm sorry, then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, when, when you're in a cave, you've got to hear from the Lord. Oh. Come on. You, 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 see, here's the deal. When you're in a cave, look what I wrote on the slide. You will experience and you will see. In fact, you will hear many things when you're in the cave. It doesn't mean they're from God. So I've been around long enough to have heard a lot of bad advice when I was in my cave. 
I've been around long enough for people to tell me that maybe I wasn't praying hard enough. Or maybe I didn't have enough faith. Or maybe if I would just fill in the blank. And, and, and it wasn't from God. Maybe well-meaning on their part, but it wasn't from God. You might even see or experience something kind of dramatic. Something that seems exceptional. And so you would assume right away, wow, look what God did. And God's like, I'm not in that. You see, Pentecostal believers, Holy Spirit-filled people, listen to me. So many times we want God to shake the mountains and we want God just to blow with the mighty wind and the fire to fall. But sometimes God's not in that. Sometimes God chooses to speak to us through a gentle, still, small whisper. And we have to discipline ourselves enough to know that God's not always going to speak to us or appear to us or demonstrate his goodness to us in the way that we might be conditioned for him to do. It's curious to me that, that Elijah saw fire after just recently calling the fire of God down, but this time the fire that he saw was not from God. You've got to be able to discern what is from God and what's not from God. Because being in a cave is a time where you are vulnerable. Being in a cave is, is a time where I promise you, experts will pop up and they'll have something to say to you. Being in a cave might even lead you to a YouTube video. And if it's on the internet, it's gotta be true. Okay, I'm gonna say this again. I've said this a million times. Anybody can make a YouTube video. That doesn't make them an expert. Do you know what it takes to make a YouTube video? One of these. Okay? So you don't... <laughs> please. I've had, I saw it on YouTube. I think, I think Jesus already came. In fact, I think the Antichrist is um, Rosie O'Donnell. No! <laughs> Close, but No! It was the only name I could come up with. <laughs> you got to be able to discern what's from God and what's not from God. And the reason why a lot of people stay in their caves is because they have accepted things thinking it's a source of relief, thinking it's their answer, and it wasn't from God in the first place. Young ladies, hear me. Just because some handsome guy burps in your face doesn't mean that he's the one for you. Did I say that? Fellas, just because she's good looking and sent you a text does not mean she's the one for you. Chances are that's not even her anyway. She called me handsome. They all do. <laughs> so we got to hear from God. What has my attention when I'm in the cave? What occupies my thoughts? What occupies my time? What occupies my spirit? I got to hear from God. Second question to ask is this Will I advance? 
Am I going to move from this cave or am I just going to stay here? Am I going to change it all? See, because I read verse 14 and look at it again. This is after God said, what are you doing here? He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Do you know what's interesting about this response? This is, also, this is not a typo. This is also found in verse 10. So he starts his cave experience saying the same thing. Look at it. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord and blah, 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 blah. blah. Now they're going to try to kill me too. Nothing has changed. He's saying the same thing. And that's scary. He's saying the same thing. He's feeling the same way. It's when he first entered the cave. Even after hearing the still, small voice of God. You know what scares me as a pastor sometimes? <laughs> well, a lot of things. But you know what concerns me? That's a better word. Is that we may have people where God may absolutely tell you exactly what you need to hear on a Sunday morning. You might even shout amen and take notes and post, oh, great sermon, and, and we appreciate that. But then you walk out of here and you're believing the same things than when you came in and you're saying the same things than when you came in and you still feel like a victim and you still feel like you felt before God spoke to you and nothing has changed. God didn't change, but you choose not to change when he's trying so hard to change you. This is Elijah's pat answer. And I'm going to be straight with you. Like the slide says, sometimes we need to get over ourselves and get past what we're facing. Well, I'm just God's martyr. Me and Paul. I'm just called to be miserable. And what ha what's happened? What's happened? You have found your identity in the cave instead of finding your identity on the cross. I really need to say that again. You can't find your identity in the cave. You've got to find it on the cross. The cave will make you believe that you are what you feel. The cave will make you believe that God is based on how you are feeling right now. The cave will trick you into thinking that things will never get better. The cave will make you think that you're stuck in this place. The cave is full of deception. More on that later. But the cross of Jesus tells us who we really are. And the cross tells me that I'm his child. The cross tells me that if he can overcome death, hell, and the grave, I can overcome anything through his help. The cross reminds me that if he loved me enough 2,000 years ago to die for my sins, he loves me enough now to care about what it is that's uh, 
heavy on my heart. That's where I find my identity. It's through Jesus Christ, not the cave. It's through the cross, not your feelings. It's through what the Bible has to say, not what some individual says about you. And that includes your boss, that includes your parents, that includes some coach, that includes some person who broke your heart. None of that matters compared to what Jesus thinks of you. And some of us, we just got to quit finding our identity in the cave. And the problem is, some of us have grown so accustomed to the cave, we've made a bed there. We got a nice kitchenette there. In fact, we got cable. We want to stay there because we've become so accustomed to the cave, we don't know what it's like to get out of it. In fact, it might even scare us to get out of our cave. Because we have been so programmed to believe the lies and the deception in the cave. In Elijah, no matter what God asked him, no matter what he experienced, no matter what he saw, no matter what he heard, Elijah was saying the same thing over and over and over. Child of God, hear me today. God does not want you to remain in the cave, He wants you to advance. He wants you to move on. Thirdly today, third question I ask, what's my ambition? I need a good A word. What's my purpose? You see, you hear Elijah talk, and, and there's no purpose in that. There, there's references to what's happened in the past, there's references to his difficult circumstances. There's references to the threat, but there's, there's no ambition. There's no vision. There's no purpose. There's no meaning in anything that Elijah is saying here. And then verse 15, God clarifies things. The Lord said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. Time out. Time out. You notice that God didn't send him to Mount Carmel? God didn't send him to the location of his greatest victory. He sent him to the desert. Let me try this side. He, he didn't send Elijah to the location of his greatest victory. He sent him elsewhere. In this case, he actually sent him to a desert. See, God wants you to move. God wants you to advance, but it's not always going to be at the place that you think you have to go. <laughs> Things were really good when I was in Mount Carmel. I'll just go over there. It probably still smells like ashes, <laughs> holy ashes. And God said, no, I don't want you to go there. Go to the desert. And when you get there, anoint Hazel the king over Aram. And then, also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel. I know you're getting blessed by these names. And then anoint Elisha, some of you have heard that name, son of Shaphat from Abel-Mahola to succeed you 
as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. They're going to kill me, so I'm just hiding out in this cave. And God said, Elijah, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and anoint Hazael as the king, the new king of Aram. So first, his first point of contact was a man by the name of Hazael. Then he said, I want you to go to Jehu, and then I want you to go to Elisha. Now look how this goes. He said, Hazael is going to do his thing. And if anybody escapes the sword of Hazael, if any false prophets, if any people who are leading my folks astray escape him, then Jehu steps in. So you're going to anoint him too. And if anybody escapes those first two guys, then not only are you going to anoint these two kings, but I have chosen your successor, Elisha, and his name is Elisha. And you're going to anoint him. So if anybody gets past the first two guys, Elisha is going to take it from there. What is God saying? I've still got a plan for you. God still has a plan for you. You might think that you're damaged goods. You might think that God cannot possibly use you. You might think that God is saying, I cannot believe the way you're acting. I don't want to use you anymore. And that just is not the case. God's got a plan for you. God wants to use you. God wants to do something in you and for you and through you still, even when you are at your lowest low. So your purpose doesn't go away because you don't feel like it. Let me say it again. Your purpose doesn't go away because you don't feel like it. I've been your pastor 23 years. You think I've always felt like being your pastor? Of course I have. Nah, there have been times where God has said, okay, remember your purpose. Well, God, things aren't going the way I hoped they would go. Just remember your purpose, Phil. I got a purpose. In fact, I'm going to do something that maybe you're not expecting. Just obey. (laughs) Just obey. If you're in the cave, hear me today. Just obey. God's got a plan, so obey it. And that brings me to the last question. Jonathan, if you can help me. We need to ask, is this accurate? The way I'm feeling, is it true? Or is it a lie? Is it true? Or is it false? Now look at verse 18. God says, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Why is that important that God said that? May I refer you back to verse 14 or verse 10? Take your pick. He said this, 
I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What did God say? I got 7,000. I've got your successor, Elisha. He's a prophet. He's going to do some mighty things, some great things. But I got 7,000 people that you're not even aware of, and you think you're by yourself? You're not. What did God do? God counteracted the lies. God counteracted the lies. And he gave Elisha the truth. You know what you need in the cave? You know what you need in the cave? You need the truth. You need the truth. You believe that you're useless? God says, no, 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 you're useful. You think you've been forgotten? Says, I haven't forgotten you. You think your call and your purpose is taken away? God says, no, no, I still got a purpose for you. You think nobody loves you? God says, I love you with a love that never, ever ends. How many of us remain in our caves because we've believed the lies? And God says, I want to give you the truth. Why? Because in John 8, 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. When Paul listed the armor of God, the first thing that he rattled off was the belt of truth. Why? Because if you're trying to fight God's fight, but you're trying to do it without truth, you're going to be defeated. And God said, Elijah needs to know the truth. Are you believing a lie today? And when I say a lie, are you believing something that totally goes against God's word? God says, I want to show you the truth now. And you've heard me say this before. We need to breathe in truth and exhale the lies. We need to gorge ourselves on the truth, just like some of you did three days ago. You know what gorging is. We need to just gorge ourselves on the truth. And I can't get enough truth. Why? Because the more truth you consume, the fewer lies you'll believe. See, the cave, ready? The cave is just laced with lies. The cave will cause you to believe things that are contrary to God's word. The cave will cause you to accept as truth what is a lie. The cave, Jesus said that when Satan talks, his native language is lying. He is the father of all lies. And when he's whispering these lies in us, and trust me, there's a different lie for every person in this room here today. And what God had to do with Elijah was saying, look, quit saying you're the only one left. You're not. You've got a successor, and you've got 7,000 people that haven't bowed down to Baal or kissed his ring or anything else. You, you are not alone. You have not been abandoned. You have a purpose. And God's word to you today is this. You're not alone. God's not abandoned you. And the lie that you have listened to, you no longer need to listen to. Get out of that cave. I've got something for you. That's his message to the church. 
what are you doing here? Believe in these lies. What are you doing here? Acting like I did everything for you in the past, but I've got nothing for you in the future. What are you doing here? Thinking that you're all washed up. You're too old. You're too young. You're not qualified. You don't know enough. You've not been a Christian long enough. Get out of that cave. Those are lies. Let God fill your life with the truth of his word. Come out of your cave. Get out of your cave and do what God's called you to do. God spelled it out for Elijah. Some of you, you don't know what God has in store for you. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Just obey him. It might just start with one foot out of the cave. And you ain't been out of that cave for a long time. It might be a second step out of that cave. And realizing that your identity is not wrapped up by what's out there and behind you, but what's waiting for you in the future. Your identity is not what the enemy says about you. Your identity is everything that God's word has to say about you today. Come out of the cave. Get out of the cave. What are you doing here? God doesn't want you here. Get out of the cave. Will you stand with me? I want to give you a chance to hear that uh, to hear that still, gentle whisper of a voice from God. Because I've found in my life that he tends to talk to me more that way than fire, earthquakes, and wind. Earth, wind, and fire. That would have been a great title. Next time. But he tends, he tends to speak to me gently in my spirit when I'm reading a verse. Some of you, you need to come to the mouth of the cave like Elijah did and, and hear, hear the voice of God. And it might be something gentle in your spirit. It might be something that God has to say to you Maybe, maybe God will operate through the gifts somehow in your life, but, but this is a time where God wants to speak to you. And you got to hear me now, okay? You might hear a lot of noise. You might see a lot of stuff. That doesn't mean it's from God. You got to know it's from God. And there's nothing wrong with saying, God, is this from you? Is this from you? So I'm going to give you a chance, Elijah, to go to the mouth of the cave to go to an altar and pray, to pray at your seat or someplace in this, in this place and just talk to him and let him speak to you. And Elijah, God has a plan for you that you don't even know what's coming. It just starts with a step or two. Will you do that today? So I'm going to pray. When I say amen, I'll give you a chance to seek the Lord by yourself. And when you're done, you can consider yourself dismissed. And we can fellowship with one another in the lobby. But let, let's make this a place of prayer. Okay? So Jesus, I believe there's some Elijahs in here who need to uh, take a step or two out of the cave. And it might make us nervous to step out of the cave because we've been there so long. 
and we believe the wrong stuff, we've convinced ourselves of the wrong things. But Lord, I pray that the truth of your word, of who you are and how you see us, would just fill the room today. And God, you've got a plan for us. We, We may not even know what it is, but God, all we need to do is take that first step. So Jesus, speak to your people, I pray. In your name, amen. If you need to pray, Elijah, do so right now. God's released you. You can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.